Mmm. It's not as cold today. It's not. Knuckle. It's a miracle. Well, I think we're going to have to start off by apologizing for that sound. Explaining what the... <laughs> Welcome to the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. Presented by Cinema Summit. A podcast about the art of making films, no matter how small the budget. And now, here are your hosts, Alex Dark and Trevor L. Nelson. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. This is episode 43 of the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. I am Alex Dark. And I am Trevor L. Nelson. And today we are going to... To be talk wow, that was really bad. Today we're going to be talking about the importance of film theory and critical film thinking. But first, Alex, what are we drinking? Oh, uh, you know, the same old, same old. Well, it's it's kind of newish. That's this true. Is the second podcast with this round of uh, cube of beer, silver bullets. But I, I don't know. I think uh, I think it's pretty much everyone's expecting us to just be drinking some type of cheap beer. At this yeah, point. Che- watch your mouth. It is made with rocky ice water. It is expensive. It's from the mountains of the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> One of these days, it's going to be like, yeah, we're drinking uh, some Dom Perignon. What? That's when we actually have our first sponsor. We're going to get an expensive bottle of liquor to drink. Just blow it all in yeah. one bottle. <laughs> <laughs> no way we can pay ourselves for this, so might as well just blow it on some tequila. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, Coors Light, always good. It's not as cold in here today. It's not. So this Coors God. Light is very refreshing. It's nice. I'm it's, only wearing one coat. <laughs> yeah, I see you brought your other. I brought so you prepared. It. You know, um, I could never tell because it always was like fine during the day, and then yeah. at night it just like. But that's the thing. Down. But that's the thing. When we've left this place to go get food, and it's cold in here, you guys outside say, "Oh, this is delightful." I know. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, it's like not only does this not does this trap the heat, it, it just kind of dispels the heat. Yeah. When it's when, not summer. Yeah, exactly. When you want the heat the most. Yeah. When you need the heat the most. Uh, All right. So what's new, Trevor? Uh, surprise, surprise. If you've been listening in the last couple episodes, we've said, <laughs> been sending out proposals left and right. We continue to send out proposals left and right. Uh, we are just trying to make some deals happen. Uh, you know, continue on doing what we want to do. Um, and uh, that is, uh, we are... Putting our hat in the ring to acquire a property that is a pretty well-known property. Can't talk about that, of course. Of course, it's never going to happen. <laughs> never going to happen. It's one but of those. One of those. Um, make know. a wish deals. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yep. It is. Um, yeah. I made a wish about it, and they were go. seeing. If it's Thanks for the save. <laughs> Thanks for the save. Um, no, it's one of those deals where it. It. To probably us, it makes happen. yeah. Probably won't happen to us. It makes sense, and it seems like it would be a pretty good deal for both parties. But we all know the almighty dollar wins out, and immediate dollars always wins out. A lot of stuff makes sense to us. Yeah, that doesn't actually make sense in this reality. This is also true. So there's that. We actually think um, we're filmmakers. That we're makes at, sense. We to are us. though. We're meeting um in two days. Yes, with one of the other companies that we did send a proposal mm-hmm. out to, and. They actually liked it and want to discuss, you know, things further, which is and very quickly, shocking. very quickly, we're like, we need to meet. We want to meet with the guys ASAP. Yeah, yeah. So that was stoked about it. Yeah. So, hey, which maybe, cool. hey, maybe we're onto something here. Maybe we actually can put together maybe proposals. We got, maybe we yeah. have ideas that are unique and uh, valuable. I know. I actually think that mm. putting together proposals is yeah. one of our greatest strengths. It's probably our only strength because that's basically <laughs> the only thing we do. Uh, we put together really good proposals. Maybe we should just become a proposal company. Like if you guys yeah. have an idea and you like really want to get married, yeah, uh, come yeah. to us. Yeah, 
Two fat guys will get on bended <laughs> knees and then be stuck there forever and uh, propose to your uh, future fiance. Or yeah. <laughs> actually, if we're the ones proposing, she probably won't marry you. Probably not. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, yeah. But uh, so, yes, yeah, so we sent off two proposals, waiting to hear back on one. Uh, another one is a go so far, and we're going to meet with them and talk. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's a no-lose situation for the person we sent it to. It is. Really. It is. Uh, um, also, I don't know if you guys watched the Oscars, but uh, we did not make an appearance. No, they didn't um, let us host. We we had emailed the Academy and, uh, you know, volunteered our services as hosts for the Academy. And they made what I would call a poor decision. <laughs> Very poor. And for that, I am boycotting, bo- boycotting <laughs> the Oscars for 50 weeks. Yeah, at least. Watch me. Do something about it. Um, but uh, overall thoughts on the Oscars, Alex? I actually enjoyed it without a host. Thought it was crisp. I thought it was much better without a host. Yeah, uh, it seemed to move. The pacing was better. Here's my theory. Uh oh. My thoughts. Uh oh. Take them, if you will, Academy. Actually, you should take them, Academy, yeah. and let us host. Yeah, and let us host. <laughs> even though we said uh, it was good without us. Say that yeah. one of the things is to continue doing it yes. without a host. Right. Um, secondly, um, have the people that win walk up on stage, okay. collect the award, yeah. be excited, walk straight off. Ooh. No speeches. Oh, shit. So like a sporting event, uh-huh. the speeches happen at the end at a press conference. Interesting. So you have a pre-show, the red carpet, uh-huh. the award ceremony, and a post-show. And a post-show. Interesting. Now, why? Uh, because... They're very repetitive. Yep. Most people don't care. Yeah. That's because true. Uh, it's like thanking people that you thanking had no idea. No that, idea. Yeah. Companies like all this weird stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I think uh, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I would gather that the ratings would improve because it would eliminate some of the political stuff that I feel like half the country mm, is interesting. against. Interesting. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, you know, out here in L.A., we're kind of in a bubble. Yeah, I'll give you of, that. Of, um, okay. you know, liberalism. Whoa. But the rest, Easy. The rest of the cu- country yeah. doesn't necessarily see it that way. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Or want to hear about that's it. That's fair. But do you think that the people that don't really want to hear about it are, like, who's really watching the Oscars? Like, I don't think it's like Joe Schmo in Missouri is like. Well, 32 million people. What was it? Was it 32? I think it was 32, yeah. Something like that. That's crazy. Close enough to that. It was like 29. That 32. is crazy. That's that's more than the people in LA. Yeah, that's true. But you also have New York. And now Atlanta. Hot Atlanta. Hot Atlanta's now a hub of movie making. Do they even get in Vancouver? Does Vancouver? Does Canada have TV? I don't think so. I no. think they just look at the rear ends of moose. <laughs> Meese, you mean? Mooses. Me- m- Seasels? Um, so that's, that's definitely a thought. And then also, okay, I can see how I can get on board with that. This one, people already had an uproarious, uh, reaction to it when they tried to do it, Uh but I think they should get rid of the musical numbers because (sighs) it's not the Grammys, dude. And and like the actors don't get up there and like reenact the scenes that they're nominated for. You know what I mean? Dude, I am, I am so with you on the musical numbers. While I, you know, thought they were nice, and I thought Lady Gaga, and you know, they were all great. They're all I'm just great. Saying like, if they want to cut time, yeah, I'd rather see Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga have sex 
actual sex on 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 stage rather than just simulated sex while they i fuck each other uh after oh, yeah, playing was- uh playing their song but uh yeah, yeah. I, I could do away with okay i'm just gonna say this i'm not a uh musical maestro but i was telling my wife this i hate Absolutely hate when songs take one word and just draw out the syllable forever. <laughs> yeah, it's one thing to like extend the note. Yeah. But then to just like repeat the same section of the word over and over again. <laughs> that just drives me insane. I don't know. It just seems I'm like I'm not you're... a musical maestro either, nah. obviously. Ah, uh, well. But... <laughs> That's why we make proposals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm with you on that. I, those, I think those are two good suggestions. I think you'll have an uproar when, um, if they were to get away, get rid of the acceptance speeches. But I think the musical, I mean, wasn't it that they were only going to do three out of the five musical numbers too? I don't even know. I have no idea what they were thinking in general. Um, but hey, I think it worked out. They had higher ratings than usual. Yeah. Hopefully they continue to try to tweak it in positive ways. Yeah. I'd say no host for surezies. No musical numbers for surezies. Um, Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga having sex on stage. There okay. You go. I mean, that sounds like Cons- ratings. Consider your uh, Oscars fixed. Yep. 125 million viewers next Boom. year. Boom. Nailed it. And you can have us host if you really want to host. <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. We'll just host that one section. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that one. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga <laughs> having sex. <laughs> Screw Trump! <laughs> off the stage. Yep. <laughs> um, Alex has a big announcement today. What else, Alex? What oh, happened? Oh, yeah. Yep. Well, this morning, uh-huh. uh, I woke up. Yes. I was uh, running like because I, I redid the website uh-huh. for um, our production company. Yes, and it looks fantastic. Thank I you, I just, too. you know, I get I get lost, you know, sometimes <sighs> in, in that kind of stuff. Don't realize how much time I'm with is you on going that. by. Yep. I'm with but you. I, I it's still so, so managed. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. To do what? one load of laundry what? this morning. What? Yeah. A whole load or half? Okay. Well, it depends on how you look at it because okay. I, I left it in the dryer. So I didn't uh. quite finish it. So I guess it's half. <laughs> but at the same time. <laughs> how, <laughs> how does this happen? Because don't you have a shared washer dryer with your building? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you just are like, eh. Well, Brie came home at 2. Oh. <laughs> so you just let her know, hey, babe, I'm heading out. There's laundry in there. Yep, grab it. Bye. <laughs> nice. That's marriage right there. That's how marriage yeah. works. Yeah. Just to let you know, I did half the work. You do the other half. Yeah. Sharing. <laughs> I put it in there. You take it out and fold it. <laughs> oh, God, the worst. The worst. <laughs> Me and my wife always have bets on, uh, God, whoever, you know, Funbot is going to hate us for this episode. <laughs> Uh, he just absolutely despises. Yeah, despises. He's gonna like make a new. This is spite listening, just yeah. so that he can uh, review Dude, us yeah. again. This is gonna be spite listening that he's on now. Uh, me and my wife actually make actually make bets on who has to do who has to do the whites, and including like matching the socks up and, and mm. rolling them together. Oh, the worst! I uh, let's move on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wish we could have live comments as we had this going. Know, Fun like, would be like, stop, shut, up, on, shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Um, but also, I just found this out. Uh, Ross uh, Lowell from Lowell Lights just passed away. Yeah. Now, if you guys don't know who it is, if you've never had a pair of Lowell Lights in your life, uh, then you probably have not been a low-budget filmmaker. Probably haven't been to film school. Yeah. Uh, but more importantly, inventor of gaffer tape. Yeah. Yeah. 
I didn't realize the person invented that. I thought it I, just existed. I just like duct tape. I thought it just like <laughs> like on the seventh day, God said, "I'm going to rest." But wait, duct tape. Yeah. Well, God, <laughs> God used duct tape to create the world. There so. You go. <laughs> It's like, all right, I'm going to put this tree here, but I got to hold it here until I make I sure this is where I want it. It's not dry duct yet. Yeah. Yeah. Duct tape it on. Duct tape there. Make sure this is really where I want this tree. Um, okay, yeah, I think we can do this. All right, let me take this duct tape off. Oh, residue. Mm. Uh, this tree's dead. Uh, this is a dead tree. All right, let's try it again. Yeah. Oh, no residue. Gaff, Gaff tape. tape. Nailed Great. it. <laughs> and on that note of laundry and God using duct tape and gaffer tape to create the world... On to the topic at ham. Eh, ham. <laughs> we're really hungry. This is what happens. If we do our podcast early, we're just too loopy. But if we do it too yeah. late, we're just too tired and we just... I know. We just don't even know what's going on. We're the worst. We apologize, guys. Sorry. Yeah. Um, okay. Topic at hand today. Film theory and critical film thinking. Now, for those yes. who don't know, me and Alex went to film school, but we did critical uh, studies. We did. Um, suck it. Brian Singer did it. Ooh. Yikes. Yeah, okay, bypass. So oh. other people did it. Other famous other people. people. Some, yeah. yeah. Who knows? Exactly. Um, Hard to keep track of these <laughs> days. You know? yeah, yeah. So many people. So many famous people did critical studies. Um, so <laughs> that was a lot of film theory classes as well as production classes and all that. And it's kind of funny because I don't I don't know about you, Alex, but to me, I kind of am thankful that we did uh, film theory not and critical studies, not only because we were able to do more productions because we had a little more free time and didn't have to do – Tons of productions for class, yeah. but also we were able to kind of dive into the deeper meaning of films and movies on an individual basis and a era basis and a time and history basis. That I feel as we're getting more and more into our you know not just horror films but sci-fi and thrillers and psychological thrillers, adding a little more meaning to the movies. Yeah, I think that's also. I mean. Um Nowadays, watching films and TV shows and whatnot, you sort of have a different appreciation for it, I think, than you would. Even if, you, even if you're a filmmaker, mm-hmm. uh, but maybe don't understand or know about all the theories and stuff like that, um, there's just a different sort of understanding that you can glean from them and then also take things that you maybe didn't think of before and then say, oh, yeah, and then I'm going to incorporate that into my, to my, filmmaking. my, my project. And so... A basic definition, at least for me, of film theory is whenever you go to a party and there are those nerds that sit in the corner and talk about the film and how like, oh, I really like his use of color and I like his, you know, his symbolism and all that. That's that's nerds talking about film theory. Yeah. That's like the underlining meaning and symbolism and messages in a movie that you may not may not be super apparent right off the bat. Yeah. Um, if you're ever at a party and <laughs> you're trying to chat someone up and all. All of a sudden, you hear pastiche. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Then, then you, know, uh, you know there's a film nerd behind. You. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, smash cut and montage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have a film nerd on your hands. And Anyone if you're that ma- says homage <laughs> oh, instead of homage, yeah. And if you're married to that person, you have married a nerd. Yeah, love you, babe. Um, so that is kind of the thing. Is this underlying? Like, oh well, they add color to give more meaning. Um, they add uh, different camera angles or camera movements or edit a little differently to add meaning or to to uh, create a different feeling for the audience. That's that's all film theory. That's the uh, like critical analytical look at films. Yeah, exactly. And so a lot of people like I know I always had it in film school. I was like, what what if like what if the director didn't mean to put this in, but we're just overanalyzing it? And I think that can happen. 
I think that happens more often than not. In fact, I mean, I used to think about this when I was in high school doing book reports. Oh, man. You know what I mean? Because like... Yeah. They try to get you to overanalyze everything. It's like, whoa, hold on. First of all, how can I possibly get a grade for this? Because you don't know, (laughs) teacher. Yeah. I can say whatever I want. Yeah. As long as it's like backed up by whatever's in the book. This is the feeling I got from it. Prove it. And why? And as long as you have the and why, there yeah. you go. You're done. Yeah. All right. I don't know. Oh, cool. Anyway, uh yeah, so I think I think you can definitely overanalyze stuff. Uh, yeah. I think you can even from like the filmmaker side you can overanalyze stuff. Oh yeah. Um but I think you can start hitting people over the head because you want to be super deep. And be like, bah, bah, this is what I mean. This is, I'm going to show it to you and everything. Yeah. Like, I, I also think one problem that I ran into a lot, especially when I was in school, was trying to do that without, um, I would like overcorrect trying not to fall into the trap of like just over explaining things. Mm, yeah. So things became very convoluted and um, difficult Dumb. to understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. It just was like, I, I had the opinion of like, well, I'm going to make this and I'm going to drop these clues in there to what I was trying to do. <laughs> and if they get it, they get it. And if they don't, they don't. Turns out most people didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you can see the disappointment on Alex's face. Um, you know, I did the same thing where I thought I did it because I thought I was being clever rather than I was like, I remember the first couple of scripts I did one. It was like. I don't. It was, we were talking about this a while ago about like writing our first script. Did we write in high school or something like that? Yeah. I remember something was like, it was a really cliche script about like this perfect kid who had the perfect life and some shit goes wrong. But it was like so bad that I was like, this perfect kid goes to his girlfriend's house and he starts playing Perfect Dark. And I was like, oh God, just shut up about him being <laughs> perfect. And then this other script I wrote, which I thought I was being so clever, I called my, one of my, the main villain, Mr. D. Um, yeah, <laughs> it turned out to be a porn and no. um, <laughs> it was, um, and then like it's at some point in his, um, in the script that revealed his name is Mr. Diavoli, which like I, I, I talked to people about, it, I was like, ah, they don't get it. They don't get it. And it was like, someone's like, Oh, isn't Diavoli Italian for devil? I'm like, fuck. Oh, you got it too good. Because I like, I heard that, you know, Vader is German for father. Yeah, and like not a lot of people knew that when Darth Vader, and so I was like, "Well, I'll do that too. I'm so clever." Blah blah blah, and like look at these underlying meanings, that, and it's like, no, stop, just stop, Trevor. Just. Yeah, to me, I mean, <laughs> I'm not a huge Star Wars fan to begin with. What? But like um, knowing that Vader means father makes it worse <laughs> to me. <laughs> of course, I mean, he wasn't <laughs> even trying. Like you did, like, like. Yeah, I'm sure everyone, like, there was, like, a German foreign exchange student who came from, like, it was in in the U.S. for school, and he went to see Star Wars with his American friends. He's like, what? (laughs) Why would they name him Darth Father? Father. (laughs) It's like. That's also a uh, classically historical accurate and in every way perfect uh, accent that you did yeah, just then. I think that was a little Swedish too. I, <laughs> I apologize to everyone who's Swedish and German out there. That is my bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so I think you can overdo it on both ends. You can either overanalyze or you can just try and jam jam pack filled with symbolism that you think you're being really clever and it's really not. Yeah. And then I think one one thing that it really benefits you 
uh, as a filmmaker for is uh, they always say in order to break the rules, you have to know them first, you know, or yeah, you should. That. Yep. Um, so understanding all the rules that you're playing with so that you can like tweak, break, bend and do all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. to sort of create your own voice and style. Yeah. I feel like it's pretty crucial to know the theory behind it um, rather than just like, you know, just seeing things that you like and just copying them without knowing why they're being done or, or you know, how they're being accomplished and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like that. Um, oh, I forget what the, the series of clips were um, where it was like they would show a person and then they would show a, a bowl of food and then they'd show a person and then an empty bowl of food and stuff like that and to, to like and it would in, oh, uh, incite the, um, hold on yeah it's the, it would incite like hunger in the in the in the viewer and so there's a lot of film theory out there that has been studied in the psychological realm where it's like we know what effect this will have on the viewer if you do this certain style of editing and stuff like that so if you don't know that, you could be getting a different response from the audience that you didn't want because you didn't know that it's been studied and reviewed a hundred times over about what happens when it uh, when you know a montage like this is put together or something like that. Yeah, I believe that was called Soviet montage theory, right? I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. See how nerdy we are, guys. So can't like, even remember the things that we learned. I know, I know. Um, so. I think it's very important to to you know take the time and study film theory because it will help your uh, filmmaking, your writing, your editing, um, and also it will help you. This sounds kind of mm, weird to say, but it will help you control the emotions of the viewer a little bit better. The emotions and the feelings of the viewers a little bit better if you know the what this montage will do because it's been studied before. Yeah, exactly. I think it's it's almost like the. Um, second child uh, syndrome. You okay. know, you yeah. got you got the first child who makes all the mistakes, paves yeah. the way, kind of um, has to like, <laughs> you know, you know, trip and fall over everything. We're both be younger the mo- children. Yeah, we are. I know. <laughs> We're both second I know. children. Keep going. Keep going. I like um, this. And uh-huh. then, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, tell me more. And then the second child comes along and sees all the mistakes yeah. that the older yeah. child uh, made, yeah. and can avoid them. Yes, and uh, you know, live a more successful and uh, uh, you know happy life. Let's just say, basically, second children are better because they've learned from the mistakes of others. Yeah, and they're the best. And I think that's basically the same thing that you can yeah. apply here, where where you can see all these theories. You know, a lot of this stuff comes from when film was just you know, starting as a medium. And they didn't know how it was they going to know what, taken by the, by the public. Yeah. Like imagine, imagine having a film camera before movies were ever made and you are discovering how to edit. Yeah. You know, you're discovering how to compose the frame and stuff like that. And it's, it's, and light and all that kind of stuff. It's like, and then, and then even further than that, then the technical stuff is like how to create a story with it, yeah, and um, tie things together and do dual um, storylines and like all that kind of stuff. It's like none of that existed at first. They didn't, yeah. they didn't know what they were doing, and so a lot of the theories come from back then, um, and it's stuff that is still applicable today and should be noted at least. Well, it's just funny because they say like there's, I mean, what do they say? There's like eight basic storylines of a mo- of a story. Uh, or like, 
Yeah, I don't know. And, and, that, and that just shows you that as much as things change, they stay the same. So the theories that held up back in when camera – when movies were just first coming out, they're still used today and utilized. Um, yeah. And, uh, and you know, it's kind of funny. Now, I'm not saying that if you want to be a great director, you have to follow that kind of stuff. But the the directors that do great and have – that they consider our tours, you, you know, your Kubricks, your Spielbergs and all that. They have studied these things and they know how to manipulate the camera and the editing and the color and the story to to do this. I mean, yeah. it's not like it's not some like wacko science or wacko um, excuse to make you study more or read more. It literally is proven effective in eliciting eliciting certain reactions and emotions from your audience. Yeah. Are you talking about um, the 36 dramatic situations? No, that's the dramatic situations. I'm talking like boy meets girl, like love story. Uh, You're talking about like man versus machine type stuff? Yeah. The conflicts? Yeah. Um, That kind of stuff. So, um, But even the 36 dramatic situations... Are derived from... That was um, Pulte in like 1895. Mm, yeah, there you go, guys. So that's like still a long time ago, and it's still pretty relevant. Almost ninety five. Yeah, it's almost one hundred and twenty. It's over one hundred and twenty years old. Yeah, and it's still relevant. You know, every story that people tell, because yeah, it's still a story you're telling, and so even though it's a different medium than you know writing or something like that, but there's many more things you can do with a camera than um, than you can do just by writing or photography and stuff like that. With moving images, it's much more powerful. And so you should take the time to learn what those moving images can do to your viewers. Um, you know, something as simple as the color that you use in a certain scene or like think about uh, traffic and every scene. If you haven't thought about this, you just notice that it was really vividly lit. Every scene that takes place in America is kind Good. of a bluish hue. And everything that takes place in Mexico is kind of an orange yellowish tint. And that was him being that was Soderbergh kind of breaking these two locations up and letting the, the audience know, like, hey, guess what? This you know, you may think this is in the America, but they're in Mexico. And yeah. uh just to, to show the two different worlds of the two different crime syndicates. Yeah. Um and simple something simple like that. Like that's from film theory. The 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 use of a single color Throughout all the scenes that connect together. Yeah, exactly. And then while we're at it, I mean, talking about film theory, there's also like color theory. Yeah. You know? And that goes so far as to say like, you know, which colors are like complementary and stuff like that. And you can see that in a lot of color grading and production design. Like if you look at Handmaid's Tale, you know, the uh, the Handmaids are in like a, a reddish gown. And the uh, the wives are in like a teal, and that's yep. like those are those are like complementary colors on the color wheel. That's why they look so good together in the frames and stuff. And I think this is this is probably my biggest color theory that I go to, even though it has nothing to do with film, but it's the same principle. If you notice now, McDonald's have been updating all their uh, restaurants. Uh, before the reason that McDonald's went red and yellow. It's Mexican food now? Yep, it's Mexican food. Wow. (laughs) Taco Bell has bought McDonald's. Um, The reason that it was red and yellow before, and that's their main color still, is because it was to elicit um, 
it, it, it was like a proven color scheme to get people moving, to make people feel uncomfortable. So they wouldn't want to stick around. So they'd get their hamburgers and go so that yeah. they could have the f- fastest turnaround and just turn people in and out of the stores. Um, and now they've done it more beige colors and more muted colors because they want you to stay because they realize that if you stay, you're probably going to spend more money and buy more stuff. So they want you to stay longer rather than getting out of there. And they did these you know million-dollar studies to find the colors that would you know let people feel relaxed and calm and welcome so that yeah. they could make more money. Exactly. The same happens in casinos. They spend so much money oh, man. on like the crazy carpet designs and the colors and the sounds and the smells it's insane it's insane and but it's proven to work and that's how like people use that utilize that in film because it's proven theories that work in all aspects of the of uh, the world and life and so they just put into film yeah um you know it just and also as a viewer if you were able to deep uh dive deeper into a film it kind of gives you a better understanding it gets you more a, a better appreciation for the film because you really see again artistic work that went into it uh now again this is you get into the risk of overanalyzing it but you know it's not just writing a movie it's you know the symbolism that the director put in or the writer put in um that shows you how much they they care you know if it's like oh it, go read the like the trivia on any movie on imdb and there, a lot of the times we'll be like oh well the director used this because you know this elicited um you know ancient rome where this story originated from or something like that simple something as simple as that you wouldn't notice but that's the kind of care and detail that they put into it yeah exactly yeah exactly (laughs) um so i mean if you dive into you know a little bit more on film theory before we get into how you can learn about film theory to help you become a better director editor and writer yes um it's something as simple as symbolism, like we talked about, or something you know as complex as the socio-economic situation of the era and the region that the director and writer were in during the time of the filming and the writing that had an impact on the story that was told. I mean, you can get deep. You can do deep dives, and that's yeah. what we did in class. Definitely, and even like you know, breaking down specific genres, and then. Diving into sort of like what every, you know, little, you know, cliche means and then mm-hmm. how certain directors take that cliche and flip it on its head yeah. and make something new or how you combine genres into like a hybrid and yeah. stuff like that. And also how to create tone and um, style to express the theme and stuff like that. It's all, it's all, you know... It seem it can seem overwhelming, and maybe you, you think you might not be able to understand it. Um, and it is there's a lot that goes into film theory, yeah. but I think it's important because when you uh, when you watch uh, a lot of independent films, um, I think one of the things that's missing is sort of the understanding of film theory uh, in films that might have some kind of like uncanniness to it where you can't quite put your finger on like what's wrong with it. I Mm -hmm. think it has to do with like not understanding the basic um, theories that have uh, come before this film to set up, you know, where this film should have gone or could have gone. uh, And instead it kind of like falls flat and misses the mark. Yeah. No, that, yeah, that's very true. Uh, I was just kind of looking up and um, 
it's you know it's so funny because me and Alex talk about um like we like horror films, we like sci-fi films, we like horror sci-fi, we like horror thriller, blah blah blah. And so you'd probably think, well, there's not much theory in that Th- theory and like symbolism and all this like deeper meaning is usually reserved for uh, something like a you know like a, a drama or a th- you know something like that, like a suspense mystery, a suspense mystery and all that. But I was just looking up because I remember thinking about it. Uh, Get Out. If you type in Get Out symbolism, there is so much symbolism in the movie, and it's a horror movie. It's like a horror, but at the same time, a uh, discussion on racism. But it, it it's, I mean, Jordan Peele said he wanted to make horror movies, and that's what it is. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think horror movie is actually one of the best vehicles for um, like underlying themes and messages, because you get to sort of walk in this ultra dark world that seems out of place in other genres Mm -hmm. to discuss things that maybe you can't really touch or you can't uh, talk about in the same way in other genres because it would be sort of out of place or not in line with the the tone. Yeah. And and the one thing that sticks out to me and, you know, not any spoiler for, um, I mean, if what are we, are we past the the time frame of I can give a spoiler and nobody can be offended because it's been out for so long? For what? Get, Get out. out. I, I think so. I think one thing that people, and I think this is not an overreach because it was so deliberate, it's so weird. Um, uh, what's your favorite? Uh, Allison Williams? Um, the is that gr- her name? The Willi- she's from Girls. Michelle Williams? No. <laughs> Allison you. Janney? I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much. Allison Williams, the main female. Yeah, because sure? uh, she's Brian Williams' daughter. Yeah. I thought it was Allison Williams. Um, she, throughout the movie, you see her sitting on her bed and she like eats cereal, but she doesn't mix the cereal with her milk. And she takes a bite of cereal, a sip of milk, a bite of cereal, sip of milk. And everyone's like, that's so weird, blah, blah, blah. But everyone is, you know, theorized, and I agree with this, that it was this idea that blacks and whites don't mix. Like she doesn't mix her chocolate cereal with her white milk um and that's a lot of people have said that um you know she's she's uh, wearing a clean white dress um you know and the colored cereal is separate from the milk um that's kind of stuff that you would wouldn't think you'd find in a horror movie and that's what made get out so great to me is that it was a deeper movie than just a regular horror movie and it was great and and uh you know, there's tons of other stuff. So if you have a chance, type in symbolism and get out, and you'll be surprised upon a second viewing of it how much you can pick up on after you read all the stuff. Totally. Yeah. All right. So how do you learn about film theory? Um, one is watching movies. The easiest way is just to watch the movies and kind of sit back. And I, I said a long time ago when I read uh, people's scripts, when my friends send me scripts, when my uh, colleagues send me scripts, that I read it once for entertainment just to see how it goes, see if I like it. And then I go through it a second time and that's when I'm critical of it. And I, you know, write down things. I think this should change. This spelling's off. This is off, whatever. Right. I do that with movies. First time you're watching a movie, just enjoy it. That's what the biggest point of a movie is. Yes. Be entertainment. But on a second viewing, think about, you know, take the time, stop, think about what you're seeing on the screen, what they're showing you, how they're saying things, how the camera's set up, what the the color scheme is, the cinematography, and try and see if you can find the deeper meaning that the the director or the cinematographer or the editor or the writer 
was adding in there through film theory. Yes, but Uh-oh. I think these are slightly out of order because really the first step would be to read yeah. about film theory so that while you're watching, you, know spot. you, you can yeah, I know. Get, I what get it, way. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think reading, there's tons of books out there about mm-hmm. film theory. And they're kind of dry. They're dry, super dry. Super dry, so be careful. Textbooks basically is what yeah. they are. And um, all sorts of things. You can get general film theory books. You can get... Um, film theory that goes through like the history, you know, all the different decades and uh-huh. periods of film. Yeah, you can get one spe- specifically about different genres. Yep. Um, uh, different directors and yeah. their you know styles and stuff like that. So there's all different types of books you can get. And I think to me, one of the best things you can do is find books that have examples from real movies, and then watch those movies. After reading it, so that you can see what they're talking about, mm. and then later on you'll be able to watch movies on your own, and with what you've learned, with what you've learned, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and um, also like like we talk about the nerds at um, at parties. Once you have read and watched some movies, talk with people, have discussions about it. Jump on you know message boards, jump on Reddit, um, jump on Facebook, uh, talk to you know. People, hell, go to another a screening of a movie you've already seen and have listen to the director talk about the the theories behind the th- symbolism in the movie. Um, talk about it because you'll you'll pick up on things you may not have thought about or you may not have caught, and then you can discuss it with people. And that's a great way to just find new ideas and new kind of tidbits in uh, in movies you like, love, have watched a million times, but may not have picked up on some things. Yeah, uh, and one of my favorite things to do. Uh, in this regard, uh, because I'm lazy and it's easier than everything else. <laughs> there it is. Is uh, to watch YouTube video essays, which there's quite a lot of them. Uh-huh. Um, people who have a lot more time than I do uh, will break down certain things about films or directors <laughs> um, or screenplays and stuff like that. And you can watch their analysis and, you know, you don't have to agree with everything that they say because a lot of it is just opinions. But like... Um, it's really great to sort of get an idea of how people are thinking about this stuff yeah. um, with movies that you've probably seen uh, or filmmakers that you like. Um, so I have a few. Oh, man. Hit, hit us with them. Lessons from the Screenplay oh. is a great one uh, that's talking about it from from the page. You know, so, so a lot of these are talking about the actual film, like the completed project and like mm-hmm. the visuals. But Lessons from a Screenplay is about the script. Very nice. Which is very cool. Nice. Uh, Every Frame of Painting is a great one. They stopped making it, but they still have the old ones up. Um, and that's a, a great one about the framing, or not the framing, but like the frames. Composition. Like composition like and like... Takes uh, a still frame and, and breaks it down? Uh, not a still frame necessarily, but it's more about like the visuals. Okay. All right. Um, now you see it. Um, well, next the other ones are kind of like more general. Okay. And they're just about, you know, they can be about specific filmmakers, um, or specific types of films and where they bring in like multiple filmmakers to make gotcha. their points and stuff. But now you see it, what it all meant. Uh, Lindsay Ellis is a, an essayist. Oh, Thomas flight folding ideas and the Royal ocean film Academy. So we'll have links to those I think in the description. Society. I think you meant society. That's what I meant. Okay. Uh, yeah, I actually have not heard of any. I've not watched any of these, so I'm going to definitely check them out. But uh, I like lessons from a screenplay too, yeah. because especially if you're a writer, um, you know, 
if you are a writer director especially or if you are writing and you really have something you want to say it all starts on the page um it all comes from the page so if you have the the message you want to bring across uh using film theory write it down use it use it, use it to your advantage when you're writing and people may actually look at your script and be like you know what this is a really deep script i like it i'll buy it yeah or i'll option it for a dollar and then maybe later we'll do it yeah yeah and then lastly the thing you can do Take yeah. a class. Yeah, stop listening to us bumming around here. Yeah, we're not we're not experts. Heck no. <laughs> uh, God. Yeah, you can take a class. I'm sure there's even some I would imagine that you can take online. Mm-hmm. Um, there's classes probably at your local university, even if you're not in a what would what would be considered like a film hub like L.A. or New York. There's a lot of actual film programs and courses and classes and stuff happening. Um, in universities around uh, the world. Yeah. Um, I forget who put all their their um, all their all courses online for free. There is, there's a couple free academies that are like big. Uh, damn it. Well, there's um, – They're not specifically film academies. They're, they're uh, online, free online like universities that – I yeah. think offer like film theory courses. Um, it's like open ed. Yeah, X exactly. Or yeah. Um, I forget what it's called, but yeah, yeah like we'll, MIT we'll find has it, their the classes up. up. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's like free lectures from universities that you can get. Yeah, and so you may not think you want to go to like an actual like community college or something like that or physical, but you want something that has some heft behind it with a with a major university. You can you can find free classes of film theory that are taught like a live lecture where you tune tune in live and watch it um and take notes and all that um and it's free. Uh, a lot of people are turning to free education these days and that's one uh that's one avenue to look for. Yeah. Um edx.org is what I was thinking. Ah, there you go. Okay. Uh, but then there's also I thought it was like there's a ton more. I thought it was like an education and academy word put together. I don't know. I know that um, if you just Google free university lectures, <laughs> you will find yeah. the first uh, result has 1,300 free online courses from top universities. There you go, guys. Simple as that. You don't have to listen to us uh, anymore. We're just a bunch of bums. Yeah. Uh, who just took this, spent, spent way too much money on our film theory classes. Because yeah, it's all free now. Yeah, it's all free now. That's what life has come to. It's all free. Uh, but yeah, definitely check out, um, uh, check out some online courses. Look at this. Uh-oh. Film courses, existentialism in literature and film oh, from UC Berkeley. Look at that, Berkeley. I guess is a good school. I've never heard of it before, though. Holocaust in film and literature Ooh, from UCLA. That sounds like a downer. Introduction to film studies from I don't know. <laughs> Philosophy in film and other media. Oh wow! From MIT. Nice. So yeah, um, yeah. Give it a go, guys. Give it. Get out there, and start learning. Because again, you may think, oh, why do I have to l- learn film theory? And for a while, I thought that in, in college too. But it definitely helps you as you're building your repertoire as a filmmaker to add those little little things in there that you know maybe people will pick up on right away. But those who are really into your film will eventually be like, okay, I I got it. I get what you're doing here. Uh, I love it. And yeah. uh, that's how you do it. You just start learning now. And, and as you're learning to be a better filmmaker behind the camera, you can be, learn to be a better filmmaker in the mind of your viewers. Yeah, that's, I think, one of the biggest benefits um, of learning film theory over o- other aspects of film is that it's something you can do really anytime. Yeah. You don't have to 
necessarily like get up and practice. You don't have to have equipment. You know, you don't have to have money. Yeah. Um, you can just get out there and learn it um, and then apply it in your screenplays and in your projects down the road. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, check them out. Um, we're going to put up a list of all those uh, YouTube video essays that Alex was talking about, uh, and which is good because I want to check them out, and I have not seen any of them yet, uh, but they sound, sound pretty cool. But yeah, so I mean, that's just scratching the surface of film theory. Film theory is a deep... I mean, people uh, dedicate their entire lives to studying film theory and teaching film theory, um, you know, yep. and then go to USC and teach. Um, yeah. But uh, it's, it's not something to, you know, snub your nose at and think it's dumb or it's not needed and you just really want to make cool movies because even cool movies have meaning. You know, Ready, Ready Player One has deeper meanings to it if you just sit back, uh, learn a little film theory and give it a second, third, or fourth view. Nice. Nice. Way to end that part. So, on to what's cool. What's cool? Well, for me, I've been waiting for this. Me and Alex have both been waiting for this. We're huge Terry Gilliam fans. Mm-hmm. And finally, after all these years and all this bad luck, the trailer for Man Who Killed Don Quixote is out. It actually looks like it's going to be released after a lawsuit. Granted, it's going to be in theaters for one day and then have probably a wide release on some streaming service. Yep. But it's coming, guys. If you're fans of Terry Gilliam, if you like Brazil, um, you know, uh, it's just, yes, please. Yeah. Finally. And the trailer looks awesome. It looks good. Yeah, it looks real good. Terry Gilliam, I, I love a lot of his, most of his stuff. Yeah. 20, but, but there is like a certain element where I, I worry for him. You know, like little, when, I, when I saw the first little teasers and like scenes, I was like, uh-oh. uh <laughs> I, I, Huh? I don't. I don't know, I, Terry. Yeah, I, I can't even begin to explain the uh, the premise behind it. But if you know the premise, uh, I was too worried when when the first shots came out from it. But did you notice when the queen in her like full gown said, "Well, this will be fun," and she was holding an iPhone? I was like, "Oh God, that's totally Terry Gilliam." Yeah. That is well, that's what I love. If I'm not mistaken, it takes place on the set of a movie. Yeah, no, no, exactly. It it takes place on the set of a movie where the guy believes, like the actor who is playing Don Quixote believes he's Don Quixote, and then the director becomes his squire, and they go on adventures, and then the squire starts believing he's Don Quixote, and it just starts going into mayhem. Yes. Uh, but like, just the story that is Don Quixote, if you know the story, is so rooted in like old timey stuff. To see a queen with an iPhone, I'm like, oh god, I love this. It's gonna be great. Nice. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, let's see. The first thing I saw was this little little free uh, software app thing you can download oh, called Post Haste. Oh. Yes. Uh, that Post Haste. Yeah. <laughs> it's for Mac and PC. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Just okay. so you know. Yep. Um, and it's basically a it it allows you to create um, templates for file organization Ooh. Um, and have them in your little finder or in your little file explorer. Ooh. Um, so yeah, I actually like, really like that. Yeah. So if you, if you um, have a specific workflow that you like to put, you know, if you're doing like editing or graphic stuff and you like to put things in specific folder structures, um, you can easily just have the little app create the folder structure for you and then, you know, have at it. It saves you a little bit of time and it's free. That's actually not bad. Then that's even better. 
Um, that's really cool. I'm actually going to download that because I am notorious for having really bad folder structure, especially if I'm working with someone else on a project. They're uh, they're like, what the hell are you doing here? And to be fair, some of that's not my fault when you get P2 cards that just have crazy file structures. Know, craziness. Uh, all right, I got the it's, – it's been – it's here. It's here, man. A one terabyte micro SD card. One yeah. terabyte. Happening. Uh, micro SDs are starting to be used in everything, uh, you know, Osmos, drones, uh, cameras. Micro SD is the future. And they so finally. Small. Oh, they're so small. That's it's a like problem. like a little fingernail. I you know. You just lose it. That's the I problem. I lose my fingernails all the time. <laughs> they just fall off <laughs> when I haven't had eaten my fruits and vegetables in a month. Um, so, yeah, one terabyte, terabyte micro SD. Uh, 450 bucks? Yeah. That's crazy. That is crazy because you think the smaller something gets the more expensive because, you know, one terabyte hard drive is, you know, I'd say, yeah, It's like 100 bucks 100 now. 100 bucks, but then if you get... An SSD. That much smaller and you're at f- only $450? Yeah. That's all you need. Um, then then when you lose that one, you're screwed. Um, yeah. But it's uh, 100 megabytes per second read speed and 95 megabytes max write speed, which means it should meet UHS-1 speed 3 and video speed class 30 specifications, which means 4K content with a 1 terabyte micro SD card, which is awesome. 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 It's awesome. Now we just need to get the uh, the hardware to uh, yeah. recognize it. We have the Osmo and the Osmo Pro, and we've we tried to buy, what, 512 or 256? 256. 256 and won't, won't read Or them. even like 128 won't. Yeah, that's right. I think 64 is the highest it can go. Now, granted, the Osmo is a little, little uh, older, but still, like, all right, all right, uh, hardware manufacturers, start accepting one terabyte drives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you heard about this little thing called the, I don't even know how to say it. I was going to say, I, your, your guess is as good as mine. Go ahead. Um, now my initial thought was it's OBS bot for OBS studio. Yeah. That's what I thought too. But it might be OBS bot. Which is dumber. <laughs> dumber by far. By far. Uh, but the, I'm going to call it the OBS bot. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Tail. Yeah. And it's an AI camera. That uses uh, your phone, it has like a little app on your phone, connects to, so you can like monitor and change the settings, but it's like a little uh, PTZ camera, as they uh, say, like a pan, tilt, zoom camera, uh-huh. that functions kind of on its own. So you can cool. like uh, track people, faces, uh, it'll follow nice. you around. It's for like kind of a single shooter, uh, if you're trying to make like a... Uh, I don't know. Maybe like a how-to video or a tutorial yeah. video, and you got your, you're at your desk and you're moving things around and grabbing equipment and all that. So you're like a YouTuber vlogger, and you're trying to, or maybe even for like BTS of a, a movie that could yeah. maybe be interesting. That wouldn't be bad. Um, isn't isn't the Facebook portal that isn't that their kind of thing? Is that they the camera will follow you? Yes, but only it's not super. Yeah, because it's yeah. like basically a big iPad. Yeah, exactly. It's not very mobile, but yeah, no, no, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that technology is definitely coming along. Yeah. And probably used by uh military totally. authority to yeah. track us everywhere. Yeah. So it's it it is kind of large compared to other things out there, and you know, like compared to an Osmo or a GoPro or something. Um but it's still pretty light. It weighs like twenty ounces. Oh, that's not bad. Um and you know, you can mount it to a, a light stand or something. It has like a little uh screw mount on the bottom, uh quarter twenty screw, I think. And then it shoots four K. Oh, wow. Up to, I think, 60. Probably onto a uh, micro SD card. 
Probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, something like that I don't think would be needed to be that portable, right? I mean, you probably set it up at like a home studio kind of thing. Or, yeah. Or, you know, or like in your garage if you do like car tutorials or something like that. What I think would be cool, and I mean, this kind of is uh, one of our friend's nightmares, uh, but if you were doing kind of like your own little talk show, if you could set up sort of like three angles with three of these cameras and have the close-ups and it'll track you and like, uh, you know, tilt and pan and all that kind of stuff with you as you're moving around, moving and shaking. Yeah. uh, It'd be a, a good way to do kind of like a low crew uh, talk show yeah. scenario. That'd actually be pretty cool. I wonder if maybe, uh, I'm going to go with Ob's, OBSBOT. Yeah. Maybe if OBSBOT 2.0 might have a little bit quicker focus. You want that hit, you know, especially if you're doing a talk show and you're moving and shaking, you want that quick focus rack. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, hell, if you if you don't have the crew but you want to do a talk show, that's a pretty damn good deal. It's not bad. And I think, you know, it is it is a small sensor type deal. So I th- And I think it has kind of like a pretty deep focus um so i don't think in that scenario it would necessarily like be crazy okay that's good that's good um just trying to see do we have a price on the obsbot um it is it is micro sd look at that yeah i believe it's well so they said um in the article that i'm gonna post which maybe has wrong information uh they sometimes do um That it's like $500, under $500. Really? But on, let's see. The OBSBOT tail will be available for pre-order on Kickstarter at an early bird price of $489. That's not bad. But I just looked at it, and it looks to be more like, oh, okay, (laughs) there we go. It's Hong Kong dollars. Uh, I was like, it says (laughs) $3,839. Okay, Hong Kong dollars. They did the conversion for us. <laughs> gotcha. They did They did the conversion for us. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, um, that's not bad. Not bad at Under all. 500 bucks? Yeah, $1,500 can get you three cameras that follow you. That's pretty great. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, finally, I have the Glyph uh, Atom Pro SSD and Thunderbolt 3 docks. So... Uh, for those who shoot in the field and kind of things like that, you have a SSD external drive that is, goes up to two terabytes, and it is MIL standard 810F rating for shock, vibration, dust, and sand. Now, granted, if you're shooting 4K in the field, four terabytes isn't going to hold that much uh, that much space, but you know, it's still nice if you need a rugged hard drive. Um, it's supposed to be a little bit you know better than the lacy ruggeds because it is MIL. MIL standard 810F rated, which means you can bang this thing around and, and it will it'll keep on ticking, as they say. Was that Rolex or Timex? Timex. Mm, yeah, it yeah, takes probably. a beating, keeps on ticking. Takes a lick and keeps on ticking. There we go. There it is. Ah, nailed it. Third time's a charm. Um, and then also the Thunderbolt 3 docks. Um, you know, Thunderbolt 3 is becoming like the, the go-to for speedy transfers. The schnazzy pants. Yeah, Alex has got it. He loves yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, but the problem is, especially stuff like the MacBooks are only coming with one port. So you need a, uh, you need a, a dock, a little, you know, dock to add all your peripherals. And, you know, you can have your Thunderbolt 3 dock that also has USB 3.0 for your hard, older hard drives. Uh, yep. One version of their Thunderbolt 3 dock has a built-in SSD, so you can do transfers that way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Thunderbolt 3 is coming along, and everyone's going to want to get on it. And you know what? 
if you're spending money for the Thunderbolt 3, you may not have the money left over to buy Thunderbolt 3 hard drives, so you're still going to need to use your USB 3.0 hard drives. So that's where the dock comes in handy. A nice little converter kit, as they would say. Hmm, not bad. Not bad at all. Um, all right. I think that's going to do it. What do you think? I think that's it. We gave them a, like a rundown of our college career, other than the drinking and the boozing and the the Denny's and the Wendy's. (laughs) Um, But all right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for joining us. You can get the show notes for this episode by visiting nobudgetfilmmaking.com slash episode 43. Don't forget to hop on over to iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. While you're there, give us a five-star rating if you feel so inclined. If you have any filmmaking questions, ask away in the comments section and we will try to answer them. Also, don't forget to head on over to fearlessfilmmakers.com to join our growing community of filmmakers. See, you can't even escape it when we when we do this early. I know. We can't. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Later. Peace.